Welcome to the Self-Made Math, where we work to solve the problem of innumeracy here on the Coalition Radio Network. Uh, I'm Rich Southwell, and this is episode seven of the Self-Made Math. Uh, tonight, we are going to talk about uh, mayhem in the nickel markets uh, and how that might be uh, impacting that nickel uh, trade that we talked about way back at the end of January before any of this broke down. And uh, we're also going to talk about my other favorite thing in the world, which is breakfast cereal and how some of the world events going on right now might impact the price of uh, your breakfast going forward and what you might be able to do now uh, to take some of the bite out of that. And yeah, that was a pun and uh, it was a bad one at that. But before we do that, as always, thanks to Pat Ford and the Coalition Radio Network for giving me a platform to uh, talk about things that I think matter and uh, provide some examples of how you know math, which a lot of people take for granted or avoid at all costs, is um, actually a part of our everyday life. And um, as you can see tonight, I am wearing merch because we are trying to support the coalition. Uh, a couple different ways you can do that. You can share links to my content or other content that you enjoy uh, with friends and make sure that they are hitting that red subscribe button. You can uh, go to the merch center, get yourself uh, all geared up for spring and summer. It'll be time for short sleeve t-shirts before you know it. I've got a, a coffee mug on the way, so I'll be featuring that in a future episode as soon as it arrives. Who knows with the supply chain and $5 diesel, uh, it'll get here eventually, I'm sure. And um, we can all look forward to that. So with those things out of the way, um, let's talk about the nickel trade. Now, if you've been watching this show or if you've gone back and watched episode two of this show, I talked about this crazy idea that that five cent coin in your pocket, the Jefferson nickel, might actually be worth more than that because of the meltdown value of the metal that it's made of. And it's made of 75% uh, copper, 25% nickel. Amaze your friends with the term cupro nickel alloy. Sounds very impressive. Just means they mix two metals and they happen to be copper and nickel. Um, but as the prices of those metals have increased, uh, so too has the cost of producing that five cent coin. And in that original January episode, uh, we determined that it was about six and a half cents worth of metal in that five cent coin. And that at some point in the future, the treasury of the United States might decide that it wants to make nickels out of something besides nickel in order to save on costs. Uh, they did it with the copper penny back in 1983. They changed it over to mostly zinc. Um, and we speculated that that could be a possibility for the nickel at some point in the future. And so I thought that would be kind of the last that we would talk about it. Maybe we would look at metal prices every once in a while as a gauge you know, for inflation or to see how metal prices were doing relative to inflation. But it was kind of a, a quick thing that we would check in on. And then we had mayhem in the nickel markets uh, in the last few days. And so I pulled up some charts and we'll, uh, we'll pull those up right now with a quick screen share. And so this is a 30-day chart for the price of nickel, the spot price of nickel, what you would pay for it on the spot, hence the name spot price. And you know, going back to early February, we got the time horizon on the, the x-axis across the bottom there. Um, you know, it was moving up at a pretty good clip if you look at you know, the, the space between 10 and $15, it was about $11 when, you know, when we started in early Feb and, um, you know, it's getting up to about, uh, 13, you know, 1350 or so, uh, last Friday. Uh, so it was moving and, 
it was increasing and the rate of increase was getting steeper. So uh, the increases were getting larger. And then this happened over the last three days. And so uh, at the bottom, we've got uh, Friday's close of uh, $13 and about 69 cents. Uh, those decimals matter when you're working in millions, but not so much for what we're talking about here. Um, this is per pound. They shot up yesterday to uh, 21.97, so almost 22 bucks. And then they fell back a little bit today to, to 17.30. So, um, you know, just looking at that first move from Friday to Monday, 60% in one day. Uh, this thing's moving like crypto. Uh, Keyshawn prefers crypto. I like things I can drop my drop on my foot. Uh, but in you know, let's face it, crypto is generally a lot more exciting. Uh, but for one day anyway, uh, nickel, the the most basic of metals, important for batteries, uh, was moving like crypto, uh, which is to say straight up. And then the next day it went straight down, uh, not straight down, but uh, took a lot of that that spike off. And but just looking at the change from Friday, if we kind of ignore Monday's action and just look at Friday to, to this morning, you know, you're still up 26% in, in two trading sessions. So we'll see what happens tomorrow. I don't know that this is going to necessarily resolve itself quickly. Um, there's a lot going on here. So we'll look at this first spike first. Uh, Monday, was the first day after the weekend. And then when you've got something as large and complicated and dangerous as the Ukraine going on, you're always a little bit nervous when things shut down on Friday because you just don't know what's gonna happen over the weekend. And so what people came to grips with over the weekend was that uh, it was likely that the Russians would continue to be shut out of the global economy. So there was talk of uh, not purchasing Russian oil or gas, or other commodities uh, trying to really isolate and, and shut down their economy to get them to, to withdraw from Ukraine. And so when people started looking around, they noticed that the largest nickel producer just so happened to be a Russian company. And so when everybody went into work on Monday, uh, the price of nickel shot up because if we're not buying from the Russians, then that means there's a lot less supply on the market. And so um, prices are going to go up. And as I said, it's especially an important metal right now because uh, it's a critical component of many of the batteries that are going into things like electric vehicles. So that was Monday's action. And then things got really squirrely uh, overnight from last night to this morning. Uh, there was some sort of, I, I still haven't gotten to the bottom of it, but there was some sort of derivatives blow up on the futures market. The London market closed early. They canceled a bunch of trades. Uh, but when things settled out, we were at that $17.32 mark. And we'll just have to see what happens uh, tomorrow. Things will maybe come down closer to uh, the $13 mark or $13.70. Maybe they'll stay where they are. We just don't know. Uh, but anytime you hear about uh, somebody having a large margin call on a, on a significant derivatives position that went the wrong way, um, you just never know what's going to pop up in the headlines the next morning. So that's being sorted out now. And, you know, we'll wake up tomorrow morning. It'll be like Christmas. We can pick up the paper and see what went on. And maybe we'll talk about it next week if it was significant. So using today's close as a price, just to see where our, you know, what our nickel would be worth on a meltdown basis today. I've got this kind of tracker that I've been keeping and I don't update it daily. I'm not that obsessed with the price of nickel or hoarding nickel coins. 
Uh, but every once in a while, I like to go back and see, you know, do a quick look back and see how things uh, look relative to that January 18th episode where we where we did this episode too. And I can tell you the copper has been moving up a little bit. I think we started, it was maybe 420, 430. So it's gone up a little bit. Uh, the nickel price, as you can see per pound is uh, reflecting what I saw this morning is the close. And uh, if we go down to this uh, bottom line here, the total line, we see that the total meltdown value based on the mix, 75% uh, copper, 25% nickel, we do a weighted average on that, that five cent coin in your, uh, you know, at the bottom of your, your sock drawer is now worth 8.6 cents. So significantly more uh, than it was in January, the middle of January, which is about six and a half cents. And um, you know, we're up 33% since we first looked at it back in January. Like I said, we'll take potentially another look at this next week if, uh, if things move around a lot or uh, see if the story changes at all, but I suspect there'll be more wild movements while they're trying to figure out what to do with that uh, poor individual or firm that uh, was looking the wrong way when they uh, when they made their derivatives uh, derivatives order, and see if they're still in business. See how big the damage was. So um, so we'll pop out of this right now, but uh, something to keep an eye on. You might even see it uh, in the more mainstream stuff. I mean, I don't you know people certainly hear about. Uh, Gold prices, oil prices, uh, dollar exchange rates—you know—relative to the euro and the yen, uh, nickel does not come up frequently in in conversation. But uh, this week, uh, you might actually hear something about it. So with that, we'll uh, we'll tuck this away, get out of the screen share here, and we'll go back to talking about tonight's other topic—the one that I had originally planned for tonight before uh, nickel mayhem broke broke out—and that is the topic of breakfast cereal. Now. Uh, breakfast cereal, one of my favorite things. Breakfast is my favorite meal of the day, and I do love cereal. And if you've ever been on my uh, my YouTube channel, where I do shorter uh, shorter bits for for students, um, you'll know that I work uh, work with uh, breakfast cereal quite a bit to use examples of unit pricing and couponing and uh, all manner of other things. It's just a great medium to work in, and it's also delicious. So. What we're seeing right now is food inflation. I don't think this comes as a surprise to anyone. Uh, price of food was going up at the grocery store before uh, the Russians invaded Ukraine. Uh, that has only made things accelerate and I would argue make things potentially a lot worse uh, in the, the near to midterm. Um, in terms of what we might be paying for, for certain food staples. So um, looking at breakfast cereal, uh, we look at, we think about grains, we think about wheat, we think about oats, we think about corn, rice, depending on your, your favorite type. And we know that uh, supplies have been a little bit tight anyway. And if you've been to the grocery store, you may have noticed that uh, you know, pre-pandemic, you could go into the cereal aisle and they would have uh, the shelves stacked six or seven or eight deep, you know, all the way to the back with, with boxes of cereal. And now many times you go in there depending on the variety and they're too deep, they're three deep. They might be out of, of varieties altogether. So uh, supply has been short for a while. And then when we look at late winter, early spring, which is where we find ourselves now in the calendar and start thinking about planting for next year and what's going on in Ukraine. It just so happens that the Ukraine is a major uh, 
wheat exporter. Uh, it's the breadbasket of uh, one of the breadbaskets of Europe. So they've got a window of time coming up when they're going to be able to plant a crop, uh, unless they are not able to plant that crop. And if they aren't able to plant that crop, then uh, a lot of supply is going to come out of the market. Now, Ukraine doesn't necessarily export much, if anything, to the United States, but they do export a lot to Africa, the Middle East, and Asia. And so if that comes off the market because it wasn't planted, uh, the price of the wheat that is planted is going to go up, up, up. And we've already been seeing that in some of those same commodity markets that we were looking at for, um, for nickel. So the price moves have started already, but um, you know everybody's hoping that that will level out or maybe even come down if the Ukrainians are able to uh, settle things down with the Russians and, and get a crop in the ground, but we'll see. Um, what will happen, I think, in this country is uh, marginal acres, so acres that farmers wouldn't ordinarily want to plant because the yields aren't great, and it may cost them more to, to plant and work that, that those, some of those fields or some of that acreage. Um, if prices go high enough, it's, it's actually worth the while to plant. So they might be able to replace some of the lost production from Ukraine and get that out onto the global market, but it's unlikely that all of it's going to be able to be replaced. And so supply is going to come down. Uh, demand is not going to change. Uh, people tend to be pretty um, demand inelastic when it comes to food. You have to eat three times a day or two times a day, uh, depending on your, on your regimen. But uh, people need to eat. And so the people who will be hurt the most by this are impoverished countries, developing nations uh, in Africa, in Asia, and then uh, people on the lower rungs of the economic ladder here in the United States, because prices are going to go up and people simply have to pay them or go without food, which is is not a not a great option. So advice on this or thoughts about, okay, so you know, how do we how do we get rid of this, you know, this demand issue? Like I said, hope that things calm down in the Ukraine and they get a crop in the ground. The other complicating factor here for food prices in the United States is that in addition to nickel that we're not buying from the Russians, we're also not buying oil or gas from the Russians. And there are a lot of countries that are going to file follow suit on that. And that is driving energy prices way, way up. I don't think that's a surprise to anybody who's you know taken a drive and looked at a gone to a gas station in the last couple of days. We saw gas go up from 397 a gallon here in Rhode Island to 419 overnight, uh, just based on the possibility that you know some of those uh, imports wouldn't be coming and there'd be a supply constraint on oil. Uh, now that you know, based on the headlines I'm reading today, that seems to have happened, and uh, so the, some of that supply is going to come out of the market. And that's going to push gas prices up, and that's going to push diesel prices up. And when diesel prices go up, it costs more for a farmer to run their tractor, uh, costs more for a delivery truck to come and collect the harvest, transport it to a processing facility, uh, and get it onto your store shelves. So that is also that production cost increase is also going to find its way uh, into the breakfast cereal prices and, and many food prices. But since we're talking about breakfast cereal, uh, many of those prices here in the U.S. So. What can we do to blunt that? Uh, in the short term, the prices are already high. I expect them to go higher. My own personal strategy has been to draw, try and buy more when I can, when I can find a good deal. And I'll highlight just a couple of things that I'm seeing in the market and some things that I've done recently um, by bringing in some visual aids. And so 
the first one, I actually profiled this on my YouTube channel uh, in a video called Cheerios and Iced Tea. Why are we talking about Iced Tea? Because he's on the back. Uh, this is part of the promotion that uh, Cheerios did at the Super Bowl. And uh, Iced Tea is helping us to uh, get our exercise. Uh, he calls it getting his dance on, uh, but exercise and get heart healthy. So there's a big promotion going on with here. And what that meant was that I was able to get a box of Cheerios for $1.88. And that $1.88 was a you know big attention grabber, $1.88, less than $2 for a box of cereal, great times. Um, but then I picked up the box and it wasn't really that big. It's uh, This is the 8.9 ounce box. So being the self-made math, of course, I pulled out my calculator and figured out a per ounce price of um, about 21 cents. So I took the $1.88, divided that by 8.9, I got about a 21 cent uh, price per ounce, which Pre-pandemic was, you know, high but not bad. It was in the range of normal, uh, high end of, you know, high end of the normal range, but but in the normal range. So that was encouraging off the bat. Um, and then I had some coupons, uh, some store coupons from Stop and Shop for General Mills cereals. So I was able to save a couple more dollars if I bought multiple boxes. And um, I won't spoil the video on self-made math, but I made a bulk purchase of Cheerios, uh, and we'll be getting. Uh, two free snack bowls as part of it. And, you know, these are limited edition Cheerios, not just any Cheerios. These are healthy heart-shaped Cheerios, so, or happy heart-shaped Cheerios. So it was a kind of a 360 win on those, but, um, you know, I was able to buy, you know, seven boxes of them. So almost four pounds of Cheerios for what I thought was a pretty reasonable price uh, in this environment. And one I wouldn't expect to see maybe a month, three months down the road and, you know, perhaps well into the future, depending on, you know, how the upcoming uh, planting season comes. Um, how do I feel about buying four pounds of cereal? Well, number one, we eat a lot of cereal in this house. I've got a, a tween who is uh, starting to sprout up. So he's kind of a voracious eater. Uh, I have no concerns about getting through this before they go sale. Um, and I also know that, um, you know, the use by date on these are the best by date on these stretches into January of 2023. So we're buying forward. Uh, it wasn't a lot of dollars going out. I think it was about uh, 12 bucks or something. So. Um, four pounds of Cheerios, 12 bucks. Uh, and you know, they're good until January of 23. So we got about 10 months to go. The other one that I came across was another General Mills cereal. And this is Wheaties. And Wheaties has been, Wheaties has never been an inexpensive cereal, um, but Wheaties is made of wheat. And that is one of the biggest exports from Ukraine. One of the, you know, one of the grains that's gonna be most impacted by um, a failed crop or an unplanted crop this year. And, you know, Wheaties is pretty expensive, uh, generally speaking, anyway. And I was actually seeing $6.29 boxes in Putnam, Connecticut, which is where I usually do my shopping. Probably more information than you need. Uh, but it was pretty much untouchable uh, for me. Uh, I just couldn't, couldn't bring myself to pay that, pay that much for, uh, for Wheaties. And so I went without one, without one, without. And then this past week, there was a special where if you bought three boxes of Wheaties, they would give you 400 go points. So um, 100 go points will get you a dollar off your grocery bill. So that would have been four bucks off my bill or 100 uh, go points will also get you 10 cents off of gas. So if you've got a big vehicle and you let it run down to near empty, you know, and you put say 15 gallons in, um, yeah, those 100 go points would be worth about $1.50 in gas savings. Now, do I recommend in this environment that you 
let your gas tank run all the way down to near empty? No, because the prices keep going up. And as we saw over the weekend, uh, they can go from $3.97 to $4.19 overnight. So um, my dad used to, during the, the uh, oil embargo in the 70s when we had gas lines, for years after that, he, you know, every time he saw a good price on gas, he could have seven eighths of a tank full. And just, you know, he would go in and buy like, you know, 40 cents of gas just to, to top it off because he saw a good price. And that's how people got conditioned. So that's kind of the approach that I've been taking with gas and trying to stay uh, more full than less just because prices could spike at any moment. And um, you know, I've got an SUV, so uh, that could that could get costly. Um, the other interesting thing about the Wheaties, so you're getting, you know, four dollars, you know, bought, uh, buy three dollars, uh, buy three boxes rather, get four dollars. You know, the store is going to give you four bucks. And then again, I had coupons for General Mills cereal, which has caused me to give them the new nickname, no longer General Mills, but because they give so many great coupons, Generous Mills. I don't think I actually made that up because they pay a good dividend. I think they, I think that's a Wall Street name for them. But uh, yeah, the couponing has been great. I don't expect that to last. So I was, you know, trying to grab as many of those. You know, if I can find them, I'll grab as many uh, coupons for for cereal as I can. The other interesting thing, I went to a stop and shop, which is where I do my shopping in Putnam, Connecticut. The reason I brought it up, but they only had three boxes, and I had more coupons that I could use on a subsequent purchase. And so I went to uh, uh, a store in Rhode Island. Uh, stop and shop store in Rhode Island and was shocked to find out that the same box of cereal, same size was only $5 and 49 cents. And they had it in uh, relatively good supply. So not necessarily a full shelf, but a pretty good size shelf. And this kind of brought up a memory of 2008 when uh, we had the great financial crisis and yeah, I found myself going to probably four or five different grocery stores for different things because, you know, it was a sort of a strange time. Um, it was something of a recession and some places meat was very, very expensive and other places it was very, very inexpensive. And it was, you know, Purdue chicken, you know, Purdue whole chicken, one place, Purdue whole chicken, another place. And, you know, it might be 30% difference per pound. Uh, in terms of price and, you know, cereals in one place would be, you know, habitually high in one place and low in the other. And yeah, I just found myself scattering my shopping among a bunch of different stores because I knew that certain things were cheaper, certain places and things weren't going great at that point. So uh, it made sense to uh, save as much money as possible. And what I also noticed, and then, you know, a period of time, things got better and then pricing kind of leveled out and, you know, stores were all within, you know, 10 cents of each other on most things, whether it was, you know, breakfast cereal, coffee, all the things that, you know, I live on breakfast cereal and coffee. And what I'm starting to suspect now with supply chain disruptions, um, you know, different inventory levels at different stores, uh, different sourcing, you know, wherever, you know, some places are getting, you know, meat from a national, you know, national chains, uh, you know, national meat packing companies. Um, and then others are, you know, buying more of their, their uh, meats locally from local providers. And that's starting to 
show up in the pricing as well because it, you know if you're buying something from uh, uh, Hormel or uh, one of the big meatpacking plants, it's being shipped in from far away. Whereas if you're buying a chicken locally, you know, or Purdue's a good one too, right? Wherever they're doing that out in Indiana or down in the Southeast, those are being trucked up in refrigerated trucks, you know, with that $5 diesel or I'm not even sure what it's at today, but it was at least five over the weekend. And, you know, if you're buying your poultry locally raised, then, you know, that transportation cost is out and transportation is not an insignificant input cost. You know, for for some of these things. So all of that is to say that it probably is going to make sense going forward for me anyway, uh, being the self-made math and the nerd, you know, the grocery nerd that I am to start going to more stores and paying more attention to who does what or who offers what at the best price, because I think you're going to start to see, um, there's the potential to start to see um, more pricing differences than we're used to seeing. It, it was all almost a commodity. I mean, the, you know, a can of coffee costs what it costs no matter where you went. And uh, I suspect that that's gonna start to change a little bit um, until things settle down. So uh, of course the trade-off for that is that you're driving to more places and therefore burning more gas and you know, 429 or wherever it's settled today, um, you know, that's a cost as well. So, you know, check the circulars before you go out, try and have a plan and then, um, hope for the best and that the uh, plan can actually be executed when you get there because if the store shelves don't have your Wheaties or they don't have enough boxes of Wheaties, then you can't get your deal. So it'd be very interesting to see what happens over the next couple of weeks. And like I said, the, the biggest thing that I've got my eye on right now is uh, planting season in the Ukraine and uh, starting to hear from U.S. farmers about how much uh, of that they can replace with marginal, you know, additional planting, you know, on, on marginal acreage that isn't as productive as their best stuff. So that is what we're keeping our fingers crossed for. Um, less food is never, never a good thing. Uh, at least the higher prices and hungry people. So we don't, we don't ever want to see that. So we'll keep our fingers crossed and hope this thing settles down and that the, uh, the Russians have the good sense to at least uh, stay away from the agricultural areas in the Ukraine. So with that, we will wrap it up. Uh, as always, like I said, please, uh, you know, visit other sites or uh, other links on the self, uh, on the coalition radio network. Um, Pat has put up some really great live time as it happens coverage of some of these school committee meetings. It's, you would think, well, gosh, it's a school committee meeting. How interesting could that possibly be? And, and some of them are absolutely fascinating, particularly, um, when you get to the public comment. Uh, so you don't necessarily have to understand the nuances of a particular policy in a particular district, but a lot of the themes are the same from uh, school committee to school committee. And so watching that and listening to what other parents are saying and how different school uh, committees are reacting is, is fascinating. I, I watched the Barrington one the other night and I thought, oh, let me just see how this is going. And you know, an hour later I'd watched the whole thing and was, um, found myself picking my jaw up off the floor a couple times uh, with some of the exchanges uh, that went on there. So uh, definitely check out some of the other links, share those links, please subscribe. Um, if you're so moved uh, and are in need of t-shirts or other merchandise, uh, go out and check out what, uh, what we've got on offer at the, uh, the merch site. And um, as far as this show is concerned, please, uh, if you've got questions, comments, what is happening to that poor plant over my shoulder there, 
uh, leave me a question, a comment, and uh, we can definitely work it into a future episode. So until next week in the next episode, thank you so much for watching and we will see you next time. Thank you.